CampusToCanton.com is taking it to another level. Starting August 28th, book in your college Saturday with the C2C team in every Saturday of the college football regular season. At 10 a.m. Eastern, come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the Saturday slate of games, start sits, players to keep an eye on, and college DFS lineups. Then the Late Show with Coast to Coast. We take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances, whose values increased or decreased the most, and those out-of-nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus, the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on. The tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. CampusToCanton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe. Welcome to Campus Life, the campus side of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. I'm Colin. <laughs> Didn't rehearse that at all. No, it was off the top of my it was off the top of my head. I was just feeling it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that's how this show is gonna be tonight, apparently. Oh. <laughs> I had a really like sophisticated <laughs> entry to this, but it's gone. It's gone. Do you want to cut that? No, I don't want to cut it. It was too good. That would have been the second episode in a row we had to totally cut the beginning. Um, so no, we <laughs> fair enough. Well, hello, everybody. Hello. Oh, now that we spent the first 45 seconds of this laughing, welcome to the penultimate episode here of our summer school episodes. For those that maybe are joining in for the first time, we are previewing each of the 10 conferences across the uh, FBS football here leading up to the season. We've got eight done. We've got the Pac-12 tonight. And we're finishing up with the SEC uh, next Monday. So just in time for week one. You know, we've got week zero this weekend. How excited are we, Colin? The football is finally here. So excited. If you couldn't tell by my enthusiastic at the beginning, I'm very excited. I'm amped for for week zero. I'm amped for college football to start back up. This is probably the most excited I've been in a long time for a college football season, to be honest with you. You guys missed it. I mean, we don't do this show like live, but he had a whole light show and everything when he came on. It was was a a spectacle. Yes, it was. We probably should have done it live. Five foot nine. I'm not going to guess the weight. (laughs) From Lancaster, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Thank you for not guessing the weight. You're welcome. I'll let I'll <laughs> let Bruning do that for you. <laughs> oh, Matt. All right, guys. We've got a little bit of news here tonight. We've got some position battles that seem like they're finally wrapping up or maybe not. We've got, our, as we said, our Pac-12 preview. Um, but first, before we jump into that, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points podcast. You can follow all of them in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out the Friday drops that we recap the week in the Fantasy Points media group. 
All right, Colin. Um, we ready to hop into the news? Let's do it. All right. So everybody's famous creepy looking quarterback, Haynes King, has been <laughs> named the starter for Texas A&M. If there was an award for le- the guy that least looks like he should be a Division One football player, it's Haynes King. But here we are. He's going to be starting for what is predicted to be a very strong Texas A&M team this year. I believe they're sixth overall in the starting AP poll. Um, I So I drafted my first Haynes King this week. I saw as that. A, as a total hedge because I don't have him across any of my other 11 leagues. We're drafting one more league here, the C2C Invitational. Um, with you know, a couple big names, uh, Thor Nystrom's in there, uh, Eric Froton, uh, Greg Bram, Debbie Watch, Jeff Bells, Colin uh, Decker. Was from, I never heard of him. Um, <laughs> 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 but yes, as, <laughs> I took Haynes King in that league as a total hedge in case I'm wrong and he actually ends up being really good. Um, are you excited for Haynes King, Colin? Yeah, I mean, I have. Um, Haynes King, I, I took him in a freshman draft last year, so I have him um, in a spot or two because uh, I, th- I thought he was solid. You know, I thought he, there was definitely some developmental potential there. Uh, it's good that, to see him name the starter. He was locked up with Zach Calzada for a little bit longer than I would have liked, but um, with the SEC not starting in week zero, them starting in week one, they're still like, you know, a little over a week out. So it's not like they're waiting until game day to decide who their, their starter is here. Um, so I do like Haynes King. Um, I think I am a little bit worried about his ability to lead the offense overall though. Um, because I, I think that it's just, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough season for him in the sec. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's never easy breaking in a quarterback and there's lofty expectations for Texas A&M. So uh, I'm a little bit worried about this year for him, but long term, I think he's going to be just fine. They replace what four starters on the offensive line, but yeah. the one that they bring back is like the top rated offensive lineman in next year's draft. Uh, I was either left guard, I believe. He's a guard. I don't. I don't remember if he's yeah. on the left or the right. Um, but you know, the, I mean, they, they there is no shortage of recruiting stars on the line, so hopefully they can protect him. He is a dual threat guy. So that should help if they have a little bit of a leaky uh, O-line there, and he should have the running game to lean on a little bit. We're not sure what his weapons look like, which is what has me slightly hesitant about him as an actual fantasy asset. Like they have Jalen Weidermeyer led them, I believe, in two of the three receiving categories last year. I believe he led in, I want to say it was it was yardage and touchdowns or receptions and touchdowns. I, I forget, but they, and he touchdowns was tied. Like they didn't pass for that many touchdowns last year. Devin Ott or Ania Smith was the the second leading receiver there. No wide receivers, and I don't think their wide receivers are very good right now. They have what Chapman, Lane, Demoss. Yeah, we had a Demos, Moose Muhammad. We had a uh, a Demoss sighting the other day. Somebody posted a clip on Twitter of him running a route. So he's he's alive. <laughs> he's alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, that's another worry I have is that receiving core uh, it's it's not going to do him any favors um yeah they're they're saying that he looked really good in camp though uh calzada got really nice reviews as well mm-hmm. from what i heard like it was it was definitely calzada pushing him and not haynes king playing poorly like it seems like that situation is over at texas 
it, it like seems like they both are really good. It sounds like people are expecting Calzada to transfer now somewhere else. I mean, obviously he's not going to play this year, but that might be a situation worth monitoring if he ends up. I don't know. It uh, you know, uh, I don't. I don't. I was trying to pull like a a, a team around Texas that's like a G five team, but I uh, couldn't think of one quick enough. He's not going to play at SMU or maybe goes to Baylor. Baylor would be interesting. I hope not. All my Kyron drones that I've been stashing this offseason <laughs> will be very, very sad. Um, Houston? But yeah, Houston would be interesting. Houston, Houston is a good one. You can go to North Texas. North Texas needs a quarterback. I mean, they have Austin on. He's like 28. He'll probably be around for like another two years. <laughs> Brandon Whedon's <laughs> grandpa, Austin on. <laughs> All right, so uh, second piece of news here, uh, a, a QB battle not yet decided. Jaden Delara has not yet been named the starter at Washington State. He's still supposed, well, they've said that it's it's going to come down to him and Jarrett Guarantano. Um, if Guarantano takes that job, I think you fade every single offensive piece there. I think you fade Borgie, you fade Travell Harris, you fade you know, Stribling or, or Lincoln or whoever ends up being the other relevant receiver there. I think you just fade them all. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not 100% buying that. Like, I think Delara is going to end up taking that job. I think he'll end up being the starter. Um, he followed Rolovich from Hawaii to – Delara is from the state of Hawaii. He was being recruited by Rolovich to Hawaii when, when Rolovich went to Washington State. Delara also went to Washington State. He started last year. So he's pretty much Rolovich's guy. I think this is maybe a little bit of message sending, like, you know, you're not infallible because he did get into a little bit of trouble this offseason. But if it do, if Guarantano does win, then I'm fading that entire offense and Delara as well. Um, I still think Delara is going to win it. Like, I don't know how any yeah. rational coaching staff can look at that and say Jarek Guantano is a good quarterback. Um, I kind of, Nick Rolovich, though, has had a very bumpy tenure there. Yeah. I mean, last year he was very against the whole player power movement vocally. Um, uh, a lot of players left because of that. I believe he's also been very anti-vax this year, and I'm not going to get into a huge political debate on this podcast about I that mean, that's, issue. That's but what they came. That's what the people come for. But but re a lot of regard takes. regardless, as a head coach on a, a college football team, where they're going to make you forfeit games if your team, you know, has certain numbers of of you know players in protocol or whatever, that seems like a very poor leadership choice on his part. Um, he's really just not done a very good job there. Um, not that Washington State has particularly lofty standards anyway, um, but if, if they choose Guarantano and they suck again, I, I I don't know how much they're paying him. I don't know what his buyout is. I can't imagine it's that high. Um, I could see him being gone uh, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. Um, and you said Washington State may not have that high standards, but I think after the Mike Leach era, they they don't think they're the doormat anymore. Um, you know, that they used to be, you know, I think that that has kind of shifted around a little bit more and where they're like, at least like typically a middle of the pack team. I mean, he, yeah, he went, when he was at Washington state starting in 2012, he went three and nine, six and seven, three and nine, and then nine and four, eight, five, nine and four, 11 and two. Um, and then six and seven is last year there. They they disappointed that last year. But yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they did have some decent years there with him. 
Um, yeah, so I think that that's raised their standards a little bit. I mean, they don't have any delusions of thinking they're even going to beat Washington in in the Apple Cup. I mean, you know, is it I the think, cup or the bowl? It's a cup. I think it's cup. I think it's the Apple right. Cup. Um, but they don't have like delusions that they're going to be one of these top teams. Although they did have a couple really really nice years, but I I think their standards are raised a little bit. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Rolovich does struggle this year with all the other issues he's had going on if they don't you know maybe explore some other options yeah yeah um he's an idiot um okay (laughs) oklahoma state has released their initial depth chart here and we've all been really interested in seeing who gets the running back job there because that position especially for college fantasy has been very productive um over the past many years they usually have one guy and they usually do very very well um, they have a four-way tie for the starter between LD Brown, Desmond Jackson, Dominic Richardson, and Jalen Warren, which provides no clarity because those were the four names that were on the <laughs> radar in the first place. There's there's been nobody rolled out. There's so like <laughs> I was really hoping I, I stashed him Desmond Jackson at the end of last year, hoping that he would do something. I know people like Jalen Warren. I don't know. I mean. I, I guess I, I wouldn't advocate going to pick any of these guys up. I, I unless you have a super deep league and like three of them are picked up and you can pick up one. I, like there are very few scenarios where I would say go for it. Yeah, I completely agree. I hate the or tag like where they just list four guys like this and it's as the starter. It's LD Brown or Desmond Jackson or I hate that. That's so annoying. Like just just give us the starter. Like they can't get away with this stuff in, in the NFL. And that's part of the reason why it's so annoying to bet or play college fantasy at times is just this kind of stuff that these teams pull. What is the Jesse Pinkman? They can't keep getting away with this meme. Like that's <laughs> yeah. I, they can't keep getting away with that. <laughs> um, yeah. Or is the stupidest thing ever. And I think it's even stupider. Like Illinois, I'm pretty sure it's Illinois, like refuses to release a depth chart. Because the crazy competitive advantage that they're going to get in their opening game against Nebraska when they're shocked about who's lined up at D line or something like, yeah, I mean, it's it's Illinois. No one cares. Right. Shit. No, nobody Nick, cares. You know what? Nick Saban <laughs> could give you the plays that he's going to run mapped out before the game starts, and he could probably beat you. Yeah, I, he would absolutely beat them. Yes. yes, Alabama would beat Illinois if they had all of their plays. Yeah, hot so. take. that's a real hot thing um so no clarity there sorry everybody we can't give you any real information uh oklahoma's running back room i think the real news here is trey bradford because i think at this point most of us didn't care about marcus major as much Eh, i was still loosely interested i i wanted to see how it shook out i don't have him anywhere but no i I wasn't ruling him out like he has been for this season with them bringing yeah, wow that was really good <laughs> thank you thank you yeah ah yes marcus major has been rolled out colin yes yes he's ineligible um due to academic reasons so <laughs> yeah so no marcus major and no trey bradford which we've talked about a couple times on the show transferred in from lsu it seemed like a pretty nice match there we weren't expecting him to get a lot of touches but over the past few years, the RB three there has been involved. You know, they they haven't registered it. They've they've gotten you know 
touches in, mm-hmm. in different ways. He is no longer with the team. Whatever the heck that means. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really provide a whole lot of clarity. I saw that on a, a Sports Illustrated article, um, and they briefly mentioned that he had been arrested in ba- all the way back in December for shoplifting, but they didn't insinuate that anything came up from that. They didn't insinuate that anything else happened. They just said he's no longer with the team. So it was non-news, also news kind of a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe he's an idiot. Like, maybe he's a, a, a knucklehead. I, I don't know. Um, two schools now. And, and you know, like I, I don't know where he's going to end up. There's there's no rumors. Um, it seemed like Oklahoma was a good fit for him. Yeah. So I, I don't know what happened there. Maybe he has to go G five route. Maybe even low. I mean, I don't. I think he's. I don't think JUCO is an option unless he's academically can't make it at these schools. But there, there's no. There has been no indication as to why he's left at both LSU and Oklahoma this offseason Now. Yeah, that's you know once is once is okay. You know twice it's kind of a pattern at that point. So, um, you know I know Bradford was a guy that you were kind of interested in. You know he's a guy you had talked about a couple times. Um, he's a guy that I was also kind of interested in as well, but uh, I'm kind of I'm out at this point. Uh, I think I am too. I had had him stashed a couple places. I thought he could be to have have a nice role at Oklahoma over the next few years. Obviously, you really want that running back, but uh, probably not anymore. All right, guys. Last episode, we started with these quick hits, and we have a few more of them here tonight. Uh, topics that probably aren't worth their own, you know, two to three minute chat, but are important nonetheless. Chris Ottman Bell suffered what we thought to be a pretty serious injury a few weeks ago in camp, but now it sounds like he is just day to day. No indication as to his status for their week one game. I think it kind of sounds like maybe it's not going to happen, uh, but I think at least it's better than him in the entire. Yeah. Yeah. I think with, with Ottman Bell to, it's probably better that they hold him out week one against Ohio state anyway, you know, like you're not going to win that game. Why throw him out there? Uh Oh, better not let Kane catch you saying that. Sorry, Kane and Carl. Uh, I feel bad for saying that uh, now a little bit, but especially because Carl so graciously helped me uh, today with the program. Like I was way behind on things and I just looked at it and started checking up and I was I had to ask him a lot of questions. So thank you, Carl. I'm sorry. Sorry, Kane. Yeah. Um, so just be aware of that. Tyler Shock officially named the starter at Texas Tech. I don't think that's a surprise. I think we all expected that. Um, and he is projected to be a first round draft pick this By year. By some. By some. <laughs> Not us, but Not some. Us. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Harris is still not fully been cleared. He's he is optimistic he'll be ready, but I've heard others say they don't think he's going to be ready for week one. I think Kevin Harris is a huge avoid this year. Um, they've got another enough other backs there to to not a need to rush him back and be like just take away his touches if he's not going to be 100. Um, percent So I don't think I want Kevin Harris. If you can sell him quick, I think I would do that. Yeah, I think I think I would too. Um... I'm trying to think if I have him anywhere, if, if I have him on any rosters, but because uh, I was more on Lloyd anyway, because I think Lloyd's more talented. Uh, so if you do have him, though, 
I would probably look to move him now because I, I mean, last year he did have a really nice year, but you know, he, Chris Moxley has some really good stats about why his year was a little bit misleading. Um, I don't remember what they are off the top of my head, but he's he's provided some evidence to say that you know maybe his year wasn't quite as good as as what it came off as. And then also with Lloyd coming back too, like I just think Lloyd's extremely talented. Uh, so yeah, he's he's kind of a fade for me. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan either. Uh, speaking of South Carolina guys that are slightly dinged up, Luke Doty. Um, you know, they, they had to get their grad assistant on the roster cause they really didn't have many quarterbacks. sounds like he's got the cast off. Now he's in a boot again, not going to be ready for opening week, but, um, that should be, I guess, encouraging. I, I don't know. Luke Doty's very good. Um, but here we are. Emeka Emezi is back at, uh, NC state camp after he missed a bunch of time, um, was there is there an indication as to whether he'll be ready for week one, Colin? I had I had not seen that. I haven't seen any news about week one, but he is back at camp um, and he's back practicing in a limited capacity from what I saw. So I think that that's potentially significant. Um, you know, maybe he misses week one or week two, but he uh, yeah, it sounds like he's going to be back after what was you know kind of a rough injury in the spring. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, a guy that we talked about on the show a couple months ago and said, if I had to buy a BYU quarterback, if I had to go and draft one, I had to pick one in a deep league, I would take Jaron Hall because he has a major threat with his legs more than any other quarterbacks there, and he's now been named a starter. I think if you're in a league where you have any questions about your quarterback situation at all and he is on your waiver wire, I would highly suggest you go get him. NFL upside, probably not. He's old. He's he's a BYU kid. I mean, he's been there since like 2012 or something. <laughs> but not really. I think he's been there since 2016, but he's old. But I think he can he has a chance to do to put up some really big numbers this year in college. Yeah. Um, I think he'll be a good fantasy option for you. Um, like you said, probably not really enough much on the NFL side, but he's also probably free right now. I don't imagine there's very many leagues where Jaron Hall's rostered. Um no, he prob probably not. Um, so, yes, I, I would highly recommend that. All right. Um, so that is it for the news. Guys, we do not have a cram session tonight. We apologize, um, but no cram session. Right, Colin, you're giving me a look. No, I just. I, okay. Yeah. That's no just cram my normal dumb look. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no cram session tonight, unfortunately, guys. Sorry, but we'll make sure we have a good one for you next week to wrap up the series. So let's jump into the Pac-12 here, Colin. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Perfect. All right, guys. So we have been splitting this up, as everybody knows by now, into a couple of different categories. We've been saying our must-haves. We have our maybe relevance. And then we have our uh, stashes. And then we might give a name or two at the end that we're avoiding at current ADP. Um, we also kind of talk about that as we go through them here. Uh, as always, we start with quarterback. Three quarterbacks in the conference, and I think two of them are debatable. Yeah, they're definitely on the fringe there. Um, oh, Colin doesn't like how I said that. Um, the, the obvious wait, 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 you didn't put what okay, there should be four. Where did you put Slovis? Oh, I put Slovis and maybe relevant. I think, regardless, Slovis has to go up here. Uh, he's not a must have for me. I don't, I don't have to have Slovis. I don't want Dorian Thompson Robinson. 
I would much rather Dorian Thompson Robinson than Slovis. Okay. You're at least going to get some high-end college production out of Robinson. Uh, but. Okay. I don't even like Keon Slovis, and I'm being forced to defend him there. This is literally my worst nightmare. <laughs> this is my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Three must-have quarterbacks. All right. You can find put you can put Slovis no, up there. No, no, I, I graciously offered to make this show sheet this week because I knew you were very busy and I conveniently wrote the Pac-12 articles. So it worked out very well. And you're already out here I critiquing don't, my... I don't want to sound ungrateful. I you're already out here critiquing my show sheet. But, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Three must-have quarterbacks, according to Colin Decker. Jaden Daniels is the first one, Arizona State. Uh, last year, in very limited games, only four games, he was the quarterback 29 on a per-game average, which is a lot better than I think people think he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely slightly regressed, but again, it was just such a small sample size and they really only played three games because they just freaking whooped Arizona. Yeah. Like that was just, they didn't have to pass it. No, there was, they could just hand it off and they would get 20 yards every carry. It was ridiculous. I've never seen a team <laughs> do that before. <laughs> um, So yeah, so he QB 29 last year, he has an ADP of 36.8. That seems high. I have not, tabulated the ADP for the final ADP for August here yet, but I see him go regularly into like the sixth round. Now I think that's great value at that spot. I think he can still be a first round pick in the NFL Mm -hmm. draft. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he can, uh, we don't really have a QB three in this class and I still maintain that. I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels. Um, He looked really he looked good as a freshman. He had some ups and downs, but as a true freshman, but you know, he takes care of the ball. 17 TDs, two INTs as a freshman, five TDs, one INT last year. Um, and then he brings that threat with the with his legs too, that you know, the NFL is looking for nowadays. Um, he had 355 rush yards last year, 223 in four games this past year. So he brings the the NFL skill set that that they're looking for nowadays. Now um the size is a big concern but i also saw an article um that says he is up to 200 pounds this offseason so if that is so, true, yeah they, they said that he lost weight again again just for the record after that How he got he up lose- to 200 something and then, they, and then he came into fall camp and they said he's like 194 or something all right well six pounds it's fine i yeah, I mean, so and he's he's getting the size up a little bit, but the size honestly didn't concern me that much personally because he doesn't take hits either. For as much as he runs, uh, he does a very good job avoiding taking hits. He steps out of bounds. He slides when he needs to. So I don't know. I'm not. I wasn't as worried about that. My thing. We need to see him take a step forward again as a passer this year because um, he did take a little bit of a step back last year. But uh, I. I think if he takes a step forward a little bit as a passer he has he'll be he'll be a first round pick yeah and he's not like a he's not a rush first quarterback like he will run he will run but he's not looking to run and they don't design a lot of run rushing plays for him specifically um so he ran for 355 yards as a freshman and then last year ran for 223 so not bad um, but I like, I think I see, I've seen people comp him to like Lamar Jackson or something. I'm like, no, he's not that level of a rusher. Like he's, he's a good runner, but not like that. He's not elite. No. Let's say. Yeah. Um, if you're comping him to Lamar Jackson, I don't think you've actually watched him. No. Yeah. You've 
commenting on something else that we're not going to get into. Speaking of Lamar Jackson-esque runners, though, how about Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who Colin says is a must-have. QB 12 last year on points per game, uh, ADP of 202. He is kind of one of those sneaky fringe uh, guys you see people say, like, you know, this year's Joe Burrow or Zach Wilson or whatever can be Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, I think he's going to have to get a lot more consistent but I mean, apparently you mu- you have to have him, Colin. So tell me about Dorian Thompson Robinson. I I gotta have Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, regardless of what you think about his NFL potential, um, his ADP right now at two hundred two is cheap enough that the high end production that you're gonna get from him this year it's gonna be worth it. But I also think that he and like I made on my bold prediction, I think he sneaks into the end of the first round because I think he takes another step forward as a passer. Um, You know, as a freshman, he threw for 1300 yards, seven touchdowns, four picks, uh, only completed 57.7% of his passes. Uh, But last year uh, he threw for 1100 yards, 12 touchdowns, four picks through um, five games completed 65% of his passes. Um, so smaller sample size, but he looked better last year, I think, as a passer. So I, I think if he could take another step forward, he's got that skill set that, like, like we were saying, the NFL is kind of moving towards. Uh, I think that, you know, if he does sneak into the first half of the draft, like I think he, or the back half of the first round of the draft, like I think he can, you know, it, it, 202 is is stealing. That's highway robbery. I just don't see any NFL upside, but I agree. I mean, does he go much earlier, though, than like Dustin Crum or, you know, like some of those guys that are also probably clearly not NFL players? I mean, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson probably gets drafted late just because of, you know, his his athletic ability. But he'll be like Lamar's backup or something because it's a, you know, it's a (laughs) like for like replacement. You know what I mean? The, The Ravens like to have that. They do. Yeah. Um, I just, I think he's better than that. Um, and Dustin Crum is an ADP of 148. Okay. So he's going almost 60 spots later. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah. So our third must have, and again, I'm really hopeful for this. If he doesn't get that job, I don't know what the hell's going on there. It's Jaden Delar at Washington state. Uh, he was QB 61 last year on a per game basis as a true freshman, uh, in a COVID year, ADP of 212. Uh, I've been banging that drum. I think he's in my top 20 quarterbacks overall um, because I think regardless, you probably get – if he if he never beca- – I think bare minimum, he can be the starter there for the next couple of years. And if Rolovich doesn't get fired, <laughs> that is a very uh, – that's a highly coveted quarterback and a quarterback system. Yeah, uh, it's it's a high-volume high offense. Uh, they were 17th in the country in pass, in pass attempts last year. When Rolovich was at Hawaii, they ranked fourth and 12th in pass attempts in 2019, 2018. So they're going to chuck the ball around a lot. And he was a true freshman last year. So he gets at least, and assuming he beats out Guarantano, I think that's going to happen. I would be very surprised if it doesn't. Um, But he gets two years in that system. So you get two years of some high-end production uh, on the college side at minimum. And then if he looks good and the NFL likes him, then he'll jump ship. If he doesn't, then you'll get a third year and he'll, you know, maybe go the way of Luke Falk and he'll get drafted and he'll bounce around from a team to a team and then he'll disappear. 
but you'll get three years of, of high-end production from him. Yeah, I really do think that's kind of just, you know, the worst case uh, scenario. So, um, and, and best case, obviously, he develops into an NFL level quarterback, which I think he has the tools mm-hmm. to do. Um, must have running backs. We have four. And there's a lot of running backs in this league that I think are kind of straddling yeah. the line between must have. And it really just depends on. You know, the factually, we can all get to a certain point. You know, this guy can do X, Y, and Z. And then it just becomes the decision of, do you think he can make it as a true NFL guy? And I think that's kind of what separates because they're, they're pretty split opinions on some of these guys, as you'll see here in a few minutes. But the four that we have in the must-have categories, uh, Rashad White, Arizona State, who had a huge year last year. And again, very limited sample size, RB7 on a per-game basis, 24.3 points per game. He was crazy efficient 10 yards per rush 18.9 yards per reception you got to figure those numbers will come down but i think another really solid year there can vault him into maybe day two nfl conversation yeah i definitely i think day two is definitely in the realm of possibilities um you know he caught eight passes last year it's only through four games but they'll they'll use him in the passing game um so i think he can catch the ball I'd like to see a little bit more production receiving production this year to feel good about him as an NFL prospect. But either way, I do think, yeah, day two is very reasonable. And while RB seven may not be repeatable, um, I think he'll be a, a really nice fantasy starter for you. And he, I, one of my big concerns with him was he was, he was, he was lean two and like yeah. 192 or something like that last year. He's now listed at 210. So that's great for him, I think, because he, I mean, he's again, 6'2". I mean, he, he's a bigger guy. He should have been able to carry some more weight. That's awesome to hear. If he still looks as explosive as he did last year, and he is a little older, but that doesn't necessarily matter for running backs as much. Right. He, he went the Juco route and did like nothing his first year at Juco. He's he's really going to be an odd case if he hits, but Arizona State has has done a good job of finding those guys over the yeah. past few years. So I, I have a hard time doubting it. Um, if it's coming from them next up is his backfield mate, uh, trip Trianum. I believe he is the, the RB with the highest ADP in this conference at 33.6. Uh, last year he was RB 86 overall 13.5 points per game. Um, a guy that, that he's, he's built like a bowling ball, but I think he's, he's a bit more athletic than people want to give him credit for. We'll see what how the, his usage this year will be very, very interesting. I hope that they use him in a variety of ways. I hope they do, too. I'm not overly optimistic about it. Um, he led the team in carries last year, so it's not like they don't want to use him. Um, but I think they're just going to really hand the ball off to him. I don't know how much receiving work he'll get, which is a shame because, like you said, he's athletic. I mean, he's 5'11", 235 is what he's listed at, but the coaching staff always talks about his athleticism um, and his speed. So especially for his size there. And he was what he was going to, he, he was also recruited as like an our running back linebacker, right? He was, he was kind of, he kind of played both in high school, I think. Yeah. And actually, so he was so athletic in high school as a linebacker that they, they were playing Jaden Ballard, who is the, you know, very fast wide receiver that's at Ohio State now. Mm-hmm. And he was burning them. And they said, okay, you need to go cover Jaden Ballard. And he shut Jaden Ballard down the rest <laughs> of the game. I think people really underrate his his athleticism, both 
you know, at tested numbers and functionally. I think he's a very good functional athlete. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, and like I say in my article, uh, he was, he has been one of hashtag your guys since uh, back in April of 2020. I pulled the tweet. I linked it in that article. Um, we got the receipts, baby. We got the receipts. You're finally, you're first on a guy. You're finally first. Congrats. I did it. Congrats. Yay, look at me go. Yeah, I really liked him coming out of high school. I thought he was, you know, once, especially once I heard that he looked really good in their spring before they shut it down. They're one of the few teams that got like a week or two in. They always start early. Um, I, I was all in on him, um, which is unfortunately for his for his teammate, Daniel Nada, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, third up on our list, Austin Jones, the running back at Stanford last year was RB13 on a per game basis, 22.5 points per game. An ADP of one four overall, nine touchdowns, I think is what really saved him last year. That so, you know, efficiency wise, he was not great. He only averaged four point four yards per carry, which I, I know that just looking at yards per carry is not a great way to tell running back performance. Um, but you know, not not great there. Nine touchdowns, and then he had twenty one catches, and he had a decent yards per reception, which I think is while probably not predictive, you really don't want to see like two. Right. You'd rather see close to double digits, and he averaged seven point four yards per catch, so that's pretty solid. Um, are you an Austin Jones stand, Colin? I'm a big Austin Jones stand. Um, I have been scooping up Austin Jones in a lot of places this year because um, I think with an ADP of 104, um, I, you know he's going to provide some very nice production for you this year. Um, I absolutely think that the uh, the RB13 is what is within his range of outcomes again. Now, yeah, he was a little high on the touchdowns with nine um, through I think it was five games, uh, through six games. Um, but he also had one of the highest backfield dominator ratings last year, 86.9% backfield dominator rating. So they just, they kind of feed him the ball and they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback this year, whether it's Tanner McKee or whether it's Jack West, um, they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback and Stanford already likes to run the ball. They, they use him as a passing option. Um, so I think he's he's got a versatile skill set. He's got good, not great, but good size. Um, I don't have his, his weight listed up here, but I'm pretty sure he's like right around 200. He's um, so he's listed on their website at 5'10, 190. Is he? Which I thought he was like 200 or maybe that's what I was. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Yeah. He's listed at 190, mm-hmm. which shocks me. I, yeah. I, I can't imagine there'd be any reason why they under sell his weight though like i it's very confusing to me but that yeah that is very concerning that he's only one that is that is a little concerning i mean he he looks like he can you know he should be able to hopefully get up to 200 pounds but um yeah no i i like austin jones i, I think he's, he's got a three down skill set and he'll give you some really nice production in college I don't have a strong opinion on him one way or the other. The 190, again, is very concerning, um, but he does show a pretty well-rounded skill set. Um, and the Stanford running back, usually, again, it's another place where you like having they, – they they pick a guy, mm-hmm. usually. So And, you, again, RB13 last year. So, that, you know, proof's in the pudding there. Um, CJ Verdell. I think this is an interesting one that you put him here, Colin, because I, I, I think he's definitely one of those guys that's straddling that line. Why do you have him as a must-have? Um, so I have him as a must have because of his first two seasons um, at 
at, uh, at, at Oregon as a true freshman in 2018. Um, he had over a thousand yards and he had 10 touchdowns and he had 27 catches, 315 yards, three TDs. Um, and then in 2019, 1200 yards, eight touchdowns, 14 catches, 125 yards. Last year, he was kind of banged up off and on. He was battling some injuries here. He had a down year. Um, but you know, if he's healthy, I think he can produce those types of numbers again. And I love running backs and Joe Moorhead offenses. Um, Joe Moorhead runs the ball at a very efficient rate. When he was at Mississippi State, uh, they were 22nd in rush yards and 12th in rush yards average, um, average rush yard, per, average yards per rush uh, in 2019. And then 2018, they were 20th and 12th again. Um, and then, you know, he made Kylan Hill basically, you know, he 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 got Kylan Hill um recognition and draft capital. So I think that, that his offense had a lot to do with that. And I think Verdell's previous production, coupled with the production that he can put up in a Joe Moorhead offense, is gonna get him day two draft capital, you know, maybe third round, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I look for a big year out of him this year. Yeah, I, I was fairly high on him. And I think last year is just kind of a year. I, he's one of those guys where you kind of just write it off. And obviously, if he starts out this year crappy, then, right. then yeah, maybe. But I think um, who Nick Penikoff came on the show uh, when you were away a couple months ago and, and talked about he really likes Verdell. He was in his top five backs for next year. I could totally see him being a top running back in next year's draft. I could see him going like mid late day three. I think he runs way more physically than people sometimes give him credit for. I think he has a very, again, well-rounded skill set. Um, he's caught, you know, in the last three years, 27, 14, and nine passes, um, always up near that double digits in terms of yards per reception, um, ha has generally been efficient on the ground. So I, he offers a lot of things that I think you should like. Um, so I, yeah, he, he's a straddler for sure. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with anybody putting him on this side of the list. Wide receivers, we've got some interesting names here. It's a pretty pretty wide array of skill sets and um and, and you know just you you know, tell, CFF you could, value. You can tell I made the skill set because or the, the show sheet because of the one guy who's on here. I'm guessing you probably wouldn't have put him on here. Uh, McMillan or London? McMill well, McMillan. I don't think you can argue too much about London no. being on here. No, I've said it all along. I don't love Drake London as a pro prospect. He has a lot of things he needs to show me this year. And I'm not, I, I don't have a problem projecting a guy, but we're a couple years in here and he's never done some, you know, he's never been consistently asked to beat press. He's never consistently been asked to play outside. He's never really been consistently asked to, to, to create for himself. Either a lot of stuff, you know, little design touches out of the slot, or they basically just say, go deep. So those have basically been the two ways in which he's won. I want to see him do a little bit, you know, some other things before I'm willing to to give uh, him a decent, you know, pro pro shot. Um, but he's going to catch a ton of passes this year in college. It's undeniable. Uh, you know, barring injury, he is going to be a top ten option at the position. Last year was wide receiver sixty. Um, but obviously with Vaughn's and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown leaving, that opens up lots of targets. His ADP is 35. Um, Colin, are, uh, the, the ADP, that ADP is slightly high for me. If he was like 50, I'd feel really good about Drake London. 35 just is is a round or so too early for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um, in my little write-up for him, I say his ADP of 35 is expensive. Uh, but like you said, he's going to produce this year. Uh, I, you know, the, 
USC offense just throws the ball a ton um, in that Graham Harrell air raid. So they're going to throw the ball a ton. He's going to catch a lot of passes. And as far as NFL potential goes, now I, you know, take it for what it's worth, but uh, ESPN has him as a top 50 player in college. So there are some places that like him. I think he will get good draft capital. So I think even if you take him this year and you don't see the step forwards that you're talking about, you'll, I think you'll have an opportunity to move him if, if you decide you're out on him later. I'm just very anti guys that have not shown they can create in college. That's just like a big sticking point for me. I think you'll get burned more often than not taking guys like, you know, uh, Paris Campbell. Who is not, you know, necessarily the gadget? Like he's not as gadgety as like a Kadaris Tony or a, 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 a Tavon Austin or someone like that. But I, just those guys that are never really asked to do much. That it's it's hard to project them to the next level. Um, Troy Franklin next on the list here. I'm glad you put him in here. Um, <laughs> a guy that I I certainly had too low going into the offseason. I don't think I had him totally outside of the range of where he should have been, um, but but he's risen up my ranks here. He's an ADP of 86 overall, a uh, four-star kid in this year's class. He's gaining some weight, which is good. I believe he's up to 170-something now. He was 160, I believe, in, in high school. Uh, if he can gain a little bit more weight. I'm not sure his production this year will be very high, but it sounds like he is pushing for snaps. Um, so, And again, I think that Oregon offense this year the passing attack probably will not be very good it, with Anthony Brown there. Brown just kind of sucks. I'm I'm shocked that he is he was barely good enough for Boston College and now he's starting at Oregon. Just blows my mind. Um yeah, I think uh, so we can talk about that a little bit later with the quarterbacks there too, but I don't necessarily know how long Anthony Brown will be the starter for. Um because I think he very he very much limits the ceiling of that team and I think that's a team that has some playoff aspirations this year. I think that they are very reasonably going to be in the hunt for the PAC 12 at at the very least. Um, But with Franklin, um, he has been lining up at X with the first team pretty much throughout camp. So it sounds like he's going to be the starter there. Now the passing volume I think is, is going to be lacking. Um, Oregon was uh, 102nd in past attempts last year per game, uh, but you know, small sample size, but Joe Moorhead's offenses, uh, he was a hundred Joe Moorhead's offense at Mississippi state in 2019 was 114th in past attempts. Uh, they were 69th in 2018. So there's a, a wide swing there, but they're never a high volume passing offense and a lower, a middle to lower volume passing offense coupled with, a quarterback like Anthony Brown for as long as Anthony Brown is starting is not really a recipe for production this year, at least. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel great about, I, I don't feel great about starting a single Oregon wide receiver. No, this year. Uh, I really, really don't. I think um, there, I can't imagine a scenario in which that happens really. Um, but the, you know, Verdell, Verdell might be the only guy that I would want to start on that entire offense, which feels weird for Oregon but here we are yeah um weirdly no I agree yeah Yeah. um but so Franklin's Franklin's value is is in his NFL appeal I think yes Yes. Um, so if you believe in him as a prospect then must yeah yeah if you're feeling good there um Jayla McMillan (laughs) probably the leading guy at Washington I, I 
I, I mean, I, I don't feel weird saying that. It's just like, I, is the leading wide receiver when Kate Otten is probably actually the leading receiver? Like, is that, yeah. is that um, worth a lot? I don't know. You had to get another guy where you have to just really hope for the NFL potential. Cause it sounds like Dylan Morris is the starting quarterback there. Yeah. Um, uh, Washington's offense is pretty low volume, slow paced offense. So I don't know how fantasy relevant the receivers are going to be. Now it sounds like Kate Otten is probably going to be like the main target there. So as a tight end, as the main target, like he's going to be fantasy relevant. Uh, but I don't know about McMillan. Uh, or any other piece of that offense. And uh, there is a slight worry uh, with the hand injury that he had. So a little bit worried about that. Um, you know, we'll see how it ends up there. But the reason I put him in his must-haves is because in the must-haves is because I really like his pro potential. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I've called him the poor man's Rakeem Jarrett before. I don't think that's necessarily, a, you know, an insult. I, I think it's actually a compliment, but... Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I just the, you know, the the college production might not necessarily be there, at least not for this year. It sounds like Heward has gotten he's the number two guy there. Um, yeah, just, O'Brien has not looked good reportedly. No, which shocks me. He went there. I thought for sure that he would have a very legitimate chance to get that job. Yeah. Um, not that he was ever, you know, amazing at Colorado State, but I, I thought it was a possibility, but apparently not. Um, the last guy that we have in this category is Travell Harris, who's at Washington State. Um, he's not a slot guy, which the, their offense, you know, Rolovich's offense typically features the slot. Um, what are they, the run and shoot, right? Yeah. Um, so, but, but I think, you know, he was wide receiver 17 last year on a per game basis. It's a high volume passing offense. And with their starting slot guy down, I think some, you'll see some shift in targets to him. Um, we can talk a little bit in, you know, later here about who maybe steps in for bell, uh, since he's out for the year, but. I mean, Harris, Harris is a good player in his own right. And I think he has a chance to be a wide receiver one in college this year. Yeah, that's the thing. That's where you want Harris is uh, for that college production. I mean, the wide receiver 17 last year, I, I only see that getting better uh, with the bell injury. I think he is very clearly going to be the lead receiver on that team because uh, they don't really have, and we can talk about it a little later too, but they don't really have a standout slot guy this year so i know that's typically been where uh rolovich's offenses have have focused but i, I they don't have that this year so i'm there's a little bit of projecting hoping that um you know rolovich adapts a little bit and maybe starts to feature harris a little bit more in a couple different ways but i i think he's going to be one of the top uh fantasy producing wide receivers this year for college yeah, I agree. And he's ADP at 293. I mean, that's that's not expensive at all. Um, tight ends. It's actually a very it's tight end rich conference, yep. oddly. Uh, we've had a couple of these. And it's just weird. You see like pockets of tight ends. <laughs> yep. um, I, I don't know if there's a reason for that or not. And I don't feel like writing a thesis on it. Um, but we have three tight ends here. Two of them definitely belong here. The other one I think is arguable. But we're, we can give some good rationale, and I agree with you putting him here, Colin. Um, <laughs> I, th we, I thought you would. I, thought I, you would. I can't believe I just said I agree with Colin, but I do. Um, Cade Otten is the first one. We both really like Cade Otten. Uh, tight end six last year per game basis, 13.2 points per game. He's an ADP of 178. Uh, an older prospect, 
But again, I don't think tight end is a position that age necessarily matters. And I think no, he has even, a shot. Even Hayden Hurst. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, the Raven. It's so crazy how the Ravens will have one of those just total obvious blunders every few years, but it doesn't matter because they draft so well otherwise that it just yeah. And then they'll just right off the, their backs. They'll rip off the Falcons for a second round pick. Yes. If only they could have moved Rashad Perryman to you guys. It would have been a great compliment to Julio Jones, right? <laughs> He's that fast. He's got long hair. Julio was was you know fast, but no hair. I mean, that is a match made in heaven. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway, Kate Otten can probably be a second round pick. I, I like him a lot. I I have a lot of Kate Otten. Yeah, uh, I'm. You probably do too. I think you like yeah. him even more than I do. I yeah, I like Kate Otten a lot. Um, he was a tight end six last year. I think that's very repeatable uh, for him. And then. Yeah, I think he has good NFL uh, upside there as well. So, like I said, day two pick, uh, you know, and he's a guy who can catch passes too. He can. He's a very, uh, he's a very well-rounded tight end. Um, you know, he can play in line. Um, he can split out a little bit. He can catch some passes. Uh, so, I think he's a guy that it's going to. He's definitely going to find a home at the at the NFL level. Um, so, I, you know, and that's hard to find at the tight end position. So, he's absolutely a must-have for me. We both have him as tight end four, so apparently we like him the same. Um, well, will we have Mayer, Weidermeyer, Gilbert? Yes, we have slightly different <laughs> orders. I go Mayer. Well, I have to drop Gilbert. I still have actually I do too. to do that. Um, yeah, so same. Otten will actually move up to three here. But yeah, right now I have Mayer, Gilbert, Weidermeyer, and you have Mayer, Weidermeyer, Gilbert. So okay. Really fine. And then we both have Otten. Um, <laughs> Who's so, five? Who's five? Uh, you. I have Cole Turner, and you have Theo Johnson. Nice. <laughs> we have those guys five six just split. <laughs> amazing amazing seven we're way off though because i have greg dulcich uh who we're about to talk Ooh. about here next yeah okay so i like that though I effortless like that. i don't effortless. have dulcich too far behind do i 14 oh that needs to change i need to move him up yeah jeez you haven't been agonizing over your tight end rankings you don't even belong in this space colin <laughs> get out of here <laughs> Scram. Sounds right. like I'm putting him at seven now, or maybe Ooh. eight. Whoever you have it at eight, I'll put it seven, <laughs> and I'll put Dolchich at eight. Yeah, you better line that up after this is over. Yeah. <clears throat> so Dolchich last year was tight end five, so right above Otten, 13.5 points per game. So, you know, 0.3 more. They, they were basically identical. ADP of 187. And Colin, I'm glad you put this, this qualifier here. He went up 64 spots from June to July. I think he's becoming a hot name. Um, what else do you do? You have anything to say about Dulcich? Apparently, I mean, you he's, hate him. <laughs> he's a he's a converted wide receiver um, into tight end. He was a walk on wide receiver at UCLA, um, converted to tight end, and I like those. I like that profile. Um, I like guys who were wide receivers and they switch to make they can make the switch to tight end. Um, so you know, I. I, I don't have his weight here and I should have, but he's, he's got NFL size. I want to say he's like 240, uh, is what he, I think he's listed. I think he's like 6'5, 240, right around there, maybe 6'4, but he's got the, he's got good size. And UCLA's offense actually does a good job highlighting the tight end. It's one of the very few offenses that does that. They've produced several prospects, um, that, that have made it to the NFL at the tight end position. They had Caleb Wilson. They had uh, Asi Asi. Um, then they had uh, Theo Howard, who he ended up transferring somewhere else. Uh, but they've had... Was he a tight end? I thought he was a wide receiver. He went to Oklahoma. 
I thought he was a tight end, right? Theo Howard or maybe went to Oklahoma a couple years ago and like didn't play at all and then transferred yeah. out again. And I have no idea where he ended up. Maybe, maybe he transferred. Maybe he transferred. It was a wide receiver transferred and was going to be a tight end and then transferred out again. But I felt like I remembered him being a tight end. He's he's six foot one ninety, so he's either the world's oh. smallest tight end or Oops. Uh, fact check. Fact boom, check. You got realityed. <laughs> um, thanks, Mox. Um, no, so so I was wrong on that one, but they they've had several tight end prospects. They the offense highlights a tight end very well, so he's going to put up some really nice numbers this year. Uh, and then another guy that I think is going to be a day two tight end. So uh, you you can't ask for too much more than that. Yeah, I mean the 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 wide receiver to tight end, uh, you know, path is, is one that we really really like. Um, the last guy here, and this is going to be. Um, <laughs> controversial, I think, but I, I, I've had a few guys this year in the 2021 fr- freshman class that I was just blatantly too low on. And mm-hmm. I, I have adjusted most of them. I think at this point, Xavier worthy was a big one. Um, I didn't hate him, but I think he was like wide receiver 20 for me or something. And, and he obviously should have been a lot higher than that. Um, Michael Trigg is a guy that I think I was much too low on, uh, as a tight end. He's been really turning heads at, at USC, Lots of really cool slow-mo videos of him making people miss and, and you know, being all cool and stuff. Uh, I have started popping up on Twitter. Um, he's got an ADP of 334 now. But he's, I mean, I, he's probably not a, a this year guy from talking with some people that are USC, you know, fans and, you know, know that it's probably going to be Mike Malcolm Epps who transferred yeah. in from Texas. Um, but Tree can probably take that job or at least, you know, you know, get on the field a significant amount next year, 2022. Um, and he looks, he's got, he's at 245 already, I believe. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a big athletic guy. He's still, so I've bumped him up. I haven't put him over Arroyo yet because I still really like Elijah Arroyo, who is my tight end, one of the offense, but I've, I've bumped or in, in the class, but I've bumped them both up significantly um, to the point where Trigg is now my tight end 11. Ooh, okay. Yes. I, I have I, not moved I will, him up yet. I need I will to do that. Bet, I will bet on that athletic upside. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, three-star shooting guard uh, in basketball, and he had offers from Bama, Auburn, Florida State, and some other schools. So um, you can't really be a shooting guard nowadays at the at the uh, D1 level and getting recruited to some of those schools and not be athletic. Um, so, you know, very athletic. Like you said, he's already up to 245, and he's been drawing rave reviews at practice. He earned the, quote, alpha tag at practice last week. Um, So, yeah, I think he uh, probably a little bit more of a play for 2022, but I think he's a very high upside tight end. I do, too. I really, really do. Again, and I I I, because Arroyo is up to 235 as well, which are, you know, in the category of things you love to see um, that that is certainly in that category in there. Yes, yeah. this, this is there. Um, <laughs> and so is Trig. So, I mean, I think those are both exciting guys. They could very well end up being the top two tight ends in that class. Um, and I think they're both worthy of, of a stash for sure. Um, all right, guys, so maybe relevance. And we go through these a little <laughs> faster. Um, I, I am not going to defend Keaton Slovis because I literally just refuse to do that. But I think having him here is slightly a slap in the face considering, I mean, last year he was QB 33 on the year. And I think, you know, I, there's no rushing upside, but I think they're going to pass the ball a ton. It's a grant. It's Graham Harrell's offense. There is, I think that's, that's too low for him, even though I don't like Keaton Slovis. I don't think he's, I think he's basically Jake Fromm. 
Um, yeah, Jake Fromm, that's that's fair. Um, but he has reportedly not been looking that sharp in camp. Um, and they're, you know, they're saying about Dart that, and we can talk about that a little bit later too. They're saying that, you know, he, he has some freshman moments, but they're saying when the lights come on, like when they're in actual like scrimmage settings, Dart just dramatically outplays him. So it, it honestly would not surprise me if Slovis does not make it through the whole year as, as the starter. Um, yeah, Mr. Hot Take over here. I still don't think unless he gets injured again, because I like I think if they just do poorly, Helton's just gone. And I don't think yeah. they would replace him in the middle of the season. Like I think it's more likely that the coach leaves and that they replace the quarterback in the middle of the year. But I mean, I could be wrong. I mean I mean, if, if Helton's looking for any sort of way to like scramble and save his job, I know I don't know exactly what the buyout situation looks now like, but I know they're at one point, like they gave him an atrocious deal. The buyout for him was insanely high. Uh, that may have come down now at this point, but I said, if he's like looking for something kind of grasping at straws, trying to save his job, a, a switch to a freshman quarterback for a little bit. Wouldn't be the most surprising thing. Hey, when you're, when you're USC and you have all the money in the world, why not just waste it on shitty head coaches? <laughs> <laughs> um why not why not what else are you gonna do with all that cash teach well, people <laughs> i mean Stupid. they get so they get some extra cash sometimes <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> uh, so the the other options you put in here are fairly intriguing um and first off like tanner mckee i don't even believe belongs on a list but he's here I, I put him in there for his dual threat ability um i you know in high school he, he ran for 539 yards and 675 yards in junior and senior year. So I think his dual threat ability could make him fantasy relevant, but he still has to win that job first. Yeah. Um, I, it's, I don't, I don't know what to expect from, from a fantasy perspective, but I don't necessarily anticipate him being startable. I, I don't know for sure. Um, Anthony Brown at Oregon, we talked a little bit about before. We're not sure how that offense is going to look. He has no ADP right now. Um, he does. I don't think I've really ever seen him go early. Um, but yeah, um, Brendan Lewis is an intriguing one. We've talked a little bit about on this show a couple couple episodes ago. I think we we highlighted him when when JT Shrout went down with the injury. Sounds like Lewis is probably going to be their starting quarterback. We, he's what is he he's the poor man's kj jefferson who's the poor man's <laughs> uh what is uh, no he's jeff poor, sims yeah who's the poor man's jeff sims who's the poor man's malik willis so we're four yeah. we're four poor men down the chain <laughs> um he's living in a van down by the river but <laughs> it's a dollar uh, general version <laughs> <laughs> but yes brendan lewis i think he just has a lot of rushing upside i think he could be really a really fun fantasy guy um and is virtually free yeah i think that you know prior to the jt strout shrout injury um you know it was it was definitely going to be a battle there but with lewis actually getting that job and another guy who has rushing ability there i think he's going to provide some some definitely startable weeks for you at times and you know, maybe doesn't ever end up being anything at the NFL level. Probably doesn't ever be anything at the NFL level. But he was a true freshman last year, so if he gets that job this year, you know, and, and he looks good enough to hang on to it, you get three years of college production from it. Yes, exactly. Um, and I, he, I mean, yeah, he, he's just he's a good athlete. I mean, in that that bowl game, six for ten. 
for 95 yards. Like he didn't look lost, but again, right. the game was already over by the time he came in. So I'm not sure exactly what we can glean from that experience. Um, next up here, Dylan Morris, again, a name we talked slightly about earlier at Washington. Sounds like he definitely has the job. They've said that he's looked pretty good this preseason. Um, he's very conservative though. Like I just don't see that much of a ceiling for him. I don't either. Um, I figured I should probably put the QB for Washington in the maybe relevance, but it's going to be a lower volume passing offense. It's going to be a slower paced offense and he is very conservative. So if I have to start him, I don't feel good about it. Uh, there that 24 man team league that we're in. Um, I have him. And I was I was pretty thin until it's starting to sound like Haynes King and Hudson Carter are going to win those jobs. So I may not have to start him now. But there was this time where I was looking like he may have had to start for me for like a week or two. Yeah, and I did not feel good. <laughs> As you should not have. Um, Chase Garbers at at Cal uh, QB 55 last year, 18.6 points per game, ADP of 384. Uh, another guy that's like kind of a trendy could could jump up some draft boards this year, but I think it would take a, a hell of a season uh, for him to do so. Yeah, I, I mean, like, Cal is another offense where it's kind of slower paced, um, not a not a huge passing volume offense, but uh, Garbers is a little bit better in terms of a rusher than what you think he is. Um, he had, uh, he, he kind of just kind of falls into the end zone a little bit, but he averaged almost 30 rush yards a game. Um, so it's not anything crazy, but in college where they count sacks, like against your rush yards, that's a little bit better than what it looks like. So he could provide a little bit with his legs. You know, if, if I'm not as worried if I have to start him as I would be with, with um, with Dylan Morris or, or Anthony Brown. So, yeah. I mean, he's there's worse options. And Cal could be a sneaky offensive team this year. I mean, I don't think they're yeah. going to be explosive by any stretch of the imagination, but they've got some guys there, and they've got um, uh, their offensive coordinator was in the NFL for a while. Uh, what's his name? Musgrave. Yes, Musgrave. So, I mean, they, they, they have some pieces there. We'll see if they can put it all together. Running back, we've got quite a few names here. Keontae Ingram is a guy that I just – Somebody help me understand it. Uh, so I feel like Keontae Ingram is like the goat problem with like the doors and like you can open the one door. Like I just mentally cannot grasp that problem. Like I understand you can explain it to me and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you get to the end. And I'm like, okay, like the ending logic does not click with me at all. And that's how I feel about Keontae Ingram. Like it's like, oh, he's a big back. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's shifty. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He can catch passes. Uh-huh. And then I just watch him play and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, he's looking like he's going to be the starter this year. Um, they have a couple other guys there. Um, they have a uh, guy whose name I can't pronounce. I'm not really going to try to because um, we all know it's how a Samoan or Polynesian guy. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Mala Paye or something Just like stop. that. Yeah, yeah. Just stop, I, please. Yeah. Before we I, offend I, an entire culture on the show. <laughs> said I wasn't going to try and then I did. I'm sorry. Um but like USC is just not a good rushing offense. They were yeah. 116th in attempts per game and yards per game 
um, in, in yards per attempt, sorry, and then 121st in yards per game. Um, you know, that could come up a little bit, but they're just, it's, it's traditionally like in the 80s. Uh, in terms of attempts and, and yards per game. So it's, they're not going to get a lot of rush. You're not going to get a lot of production from him this year. You, you may have a couple of weeks where you can start him. So it really comes down to your thoughts on him as a pro prospect. And I, I'm still kind of undecided on him. I mean, he, on paper, he looks like he should be very good. Um, he was the sixth ranked RB in his class. He was a four-star prospect, you know, looks like he should be good, but I don't know. Um, he got, he was, he was, he transferred because he was going to get usurped by Bijan and that's not really his fault. There's a lot of guys who would have gotten usurped by Bijan. So there's a lot of arguments for and against Ingram. So I have not decided how I feel about him yet. My big thing is like, I, I don't, again, I'm just not a guy that sees the NFL potential there. And you just said the, like the USC offense is just not a rushing offense. He, he, I, we talked one of our first shows, we talked about him and I called him a roster clogger. And he is because he take. you're never going to really feel comfortable starting him in college. And I think his his future beyond that is questionable enough where it's just like, what am I doing with this roster slot? Why do I not go for more upside somewhere that, that is not him? But I know some people feel very differently about that NFL upside. Um, Zach Charbonnet, another guy that is kind of, you know, the, the stock has dipped. Former five star, right? Or was he he was borderline four or five star. High, high four star. High four. At Michigan um, left there is at UCLA now. Be interesting to see how that touch split works out between him and Britton Brown. Um, but ADP of 104, part of me feels like that's fair, and part of me feels like that's just way too high. And I can't, <laughs> I can't really like both sides of me are arguing. And I can't figure out which side I am going to side with. I I have a lot of Charbonnet. I think that's that ADP is fantastic. Um, I just took him in that C2C invitational that we were just talking about. Um, you know, and it's it's right around that range. Um, I took him at 122. That's where he ended up at. So I love that there because high four-star prospect. He goes to Michigan, he makes an immediate impact as a true freshman, led the team in yard in rushing, 149 carries, six seven hundred twenty-six uh yards, eleven touchdowns, caught the ball okay. Uh, eight catches for 30 yards, you know, not great, but it shows a little bit there. And then last year, he only saw 19 carries uh, through five games. I don't know what was going on with that. He maintained his efficiency with that, though. 19 carries, uh, 124 yards uh, and a touchdown, and he had six catches last year. Um, so I don't know what was going on with that, but he goes to Chip Kelly's offense. It's a high volume rushing offense. Uh, 11th in rushing attempts per game, 12th in yards per game last year. They lose Felton, and they, you talk about Britton Brown, but Britton Brown was like a safety as a recruit. He went to Duke. Um, like 24-7 has him listed as a safety, but then also they have him listed as a running back, so I'm not exactly sure which one it was. But um, goes to Duke, doesn't really do that much. I mean, he was fine. Um but I, you know, Charb has reportedly been looking really good in uh, in, in camp. So I don't know exactly what that split's going to be, but he's going to have an impact. And I think he's got high end NFL potential as well. So I, I like Charb's a lot. Beyond the two running backs there at UCLA, we have Jarek Broussard, who's the leading returning rusher at Colorado. Really came out of nowhere last year. And he's kind of like the West Coast version of Kyron Williams, but like just kind of, you know, 
a, a lesser recruit on a lesser team and probably a lesser player overall, but you know, very He's similar. Diet Kyron Williams. Yeah. So they were both, you know, wide receivers in college that have kind of turned running backs. They, they have that nice dual skill set. Um, last year, um, he in six games, uh, 156 carries for 895 yards, five touchdowns, and then nine catches for 65 yards as well. He has a very big injury history, which I think should be concerning. And they have a lot of other backs there on the roster that they, the coaching staff says that they want to get involved. For me, he's one of the biggest fades in all of CFF this year. Yeah. And then if you think he's diet, Kyron Williams, who I have some, like, I like Kyron Williams, but I, I'm worried about the size. I'm likewise with Jarek Broussard. So if I'm scared about it with Kyron and I think Broussard is a worse player in that prototype, then I don't, I don't have any Jarek Broussard because of it. Yeah. Me either. Um, at coming out, he was five, nine, one seventy one. I think he got up to like, like one eighty five ish. I think he's up in that range, but even for a back that small, he doesn't really catch a ton of passes. Um, nine catches through six games last year. Like that's okay. Like that's decent. But if you're going to be that small, I kind of want you to be a pass catching back. Like I kind of want you to be catching 25 passes a year and yeah. Colorado's offense. Yeah, I'm not sure really... that's fault though. That's what I, I don't think that's really his fault though. No, I think Colorado. Yeah. I think part of that's on Colorado's offense, but I don't know. Yeah. I kind of want to see him catch more passes for a converted wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. Um, we'll see if he benefits from the checkdowns. Like, I don't know. We haven't seen enough of Brandon Lewis to know whether he's going to have the same problems in terms of pushing the ball downfield like Jeff Sims does. Again, he is the poor man's KJ Jefferson, who is the poor man's <laughs> Jeff Sims. Everybody keeping track at home. And then Jarek Broussard is the poor man's version of Kyron Williams, <laughs> who is the – it just goes on. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the RB17, I, I have a very hard time seeing – I seen him do that. Yeah. Um, Christopher Brooks. I actually didn't realize that Christopher Brown had changed his name. That's that's true. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I was the only reason I know that is because I was writing up the uh, I was writing up the article for the Pac-12. Um, he changed his name to honor his his mom. Um, also, maybe wanted to distance himself from Chris Brown. The name Chris Brown. I don't know. Good point. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, he said it was the honor of his mom. So he is under Chris Brooks now, but I'm pretty sure in fan tracks, he's still Chris Brown Jr. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I didn't know that, but he dinged up last year, possibly, probably the lead back there at Cal um, could do some nice things there for you. I'm pretty sure he's a guy that um, that uh, that our own Chris Moxley likes a lot. Yeah. Um, and anytime Chris talks, I, I listen. I, I at least listen, which is more than I do for you. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge compliment for Chris. Yeah. You don't yeah. listen very often. No, I don't. Um, Max Borgie is a guy that is firmly straddling that line. And I think you could have made an argument that he belonged in the must haves category. Um, I don't like he, he like it, just getting him a little more rushing volume. It puts him on some crazy numbers. He he's not going to catch 86 passes again no. like he did in 2019. I get that. But I think you can still predict half of that for him and increase he increases carries by 50 and i think the the value isn't that far off and i think you could even increase his carries by a little more than that i i just think he's he's not he's not christian mccaffrey but he's a very good player in his own right and i think he's gonna have a very nice fantasy year even though last year was 
definitely a down year for him. I think last year was basically the worst case scenario. He only played in one game. He what injured his ankle or I forget what it was, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he only played in one game. Pretty sure it was the ankle there. Uh, but the the thing is, uh, Nick Rolovich's offense don't really feature the running back in the passing game that much. Um, you know, not not nearly as to the level that he did with Leach. And those 86 receptions were a huge part of his production in 2019. And, you know, I think without that, I don't think he's a lead back in the NFL. I think he's probably going to be more of a third down back. So he will latch on to an NFL roster uh, in some sort of a capacity. But if he's not an elite college producing running back this year, um, I don't know. I'm not, he wasn't a must have for me. Like you said, he's kind of straddling that line, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not out, but I'm not as interested. I don't know how you can be uber interested in Charbonnet and not interested in Max Borgie. I realize they're not similar players at all, but <laughs> I, I I like Charb's, uh, you know, NFL lead back potential. A little Marvin Gaye and Charbonnet action. Yes. Yes. Nice. I, nice. I might have a fantasy team named that. Nice. I might. I can neither confirm Sean. nor deny. Big Sean fan? A little bit. Back <laughs> yeah, in the like... day, you know, when I was cool and hip. And knew it was on the radio. <laughs> the last guy in this category is Travis Dye, the backup RB at, at Oregon, and backup such a weird term there. But yeah. he's dinged up though. Like I don't know what he's looking like going into this year. Uh, I don't think he's worth. I I personally would not roster roster Travis Dye. I mean, because he's dinged up, probably not. But the reason to roster him is if Verdell ends up getting dinged up. If Verdell gets dinged up and, and I want Joe Moorhead running backs, I want running backs in Joe Moorhead's offenses. He's the next logical guy in that step, assuming he's healthy as well. If he's not, you know, then we'll move into the guy that I have in the stash categories or one of the two guys we have in the stash categories. But I, I, yeah, I, I think I only have him in, in one or two places, but with an ADP of 369, like, you know, it's fine. It's not anything. It's not costing anything. He's a roster clogger, you know, like you were saying, but could be productive. I um, I actually came away really impressed with um, Sean Dollars last year, but I'm pretty sure he's been hurt all offseason. Yeah, um, he has too. And, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I haven't really heard that much news on him coming back. Um, but I, I liked him at the end of the year there. I thought he looked really good. Um, wide receivers. There's an interesting mix here. Um, Britton Covey figures to probably be the leading receiver at Utah this year. He's a tiny slot guy, averaged 15.1 points per game last year. Why does he were 50? No ADP. And I think that's probably correct because I don't, there's no NFL upside. And I don't know how much more upside he has than wide receiver 50. Like I'd rather, you know, take a swing somewhere else. Yeah, I, I probably would too. Utah's passing offense is pretty low volume. Um, but, you know, he'll be the lead wide receiver there. Wide receiver 50, you know, depending on how many flexes you have, you could start that. You could start him maybe. So with no ADP and it goes all the way to 400, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some USC wide receivers, I think, you know, we'll start with Gary Bryant Jr., um, who is, re I thought he would have a big role and they keep bringing in these, 
the, uh, these transfers. And I was like, okay, maybe not. But now Bruma McCoy is, is off the team. Jake Smith's out for the year. Kyle Ford's knees are made of tissue paper. So at some point, we very well may see Gary Bryant, who's a bit undersized, but is a really good player, a four-star in last year's class, ADP of 190. And I think that's dropped pretty consistently all offseason. But I think he still has a chance to be a very good player there at USC, along with Taj Washington, who was one of those transfers that came in from Memphis. Another guy that he came in early and then seemingly was surpassed by a bunch of guys. But now it sounds like he, his opportunity is there and, and we'll see if he can take advantage of it. Yeah, the thing with Gary Bryant is he's projected to start at Y um, at the slot. And, you know, from, from what I saw on 24 seven, and that's a, that's been a productive role in Graham Harrell's offense. Um, so I think that if he starts there, you know, he could have a decent fantasy year. And you said about his ADP falling, uh, it is, his ADP is 190, but in July it was 221. So mm. it dropped pretty far. Um, and I think that, you know, he was, he was a high four-star recruit. He was the number seven wide receiver in that class. So there's a little bit of NFL potential there. He's a little undersized, but if he can bulk up a little bit, but the NFL has also been showing they don't care as much about that. So I like Gary Bryant Jr. I, I do too. Um, so next up on our list here um, is that USC, you know, <laughs> trio of guys that we're not sure if we actually want or not. Um, I think Brew McCoy, like I, I think he's total fate at this point. I don't even really like him as a player. And now this whole thing kind of has him down for me. Jake Smith, again, a lot of promise there, but I think his days are, are kind of numbered. Um, and then again, Ford, uh, do you, it's, if you had to choose one of those three guys to roster Colin, who would it be Smith? Yeah. If I have to take one, give me Jake Smith. Um, now they did just, I saw something today that said, uh, Brew McCoy is not facing charges at this point, but he still is also not back with um, USC yet, and in in my write up uh, of him, I kept it uh, kept it real short, real brief for the Pac-12 write up there. Um, pretty much just said, let me pull it up here. Uh, after being arrested for domestic violence and suspended from USC, Horace, well, his first name's Horace Brew McCoy, should not be on your draft radar, even if the charges get cleared, which they actually ended up getting dropped there but he's not produced enough at this point in his career to warrant taking a shot on yeah so two um, sentences that's it <laughs> that, i think that's more than enough um a couple guys at arizona state who i find really intriguing lv bunkley shelton who has been my guy of the 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 quad triplets there or trio <laughs> or i i don't know if we're considering chad johnson jr in that group or not but lv bunkley shelton should start in the slot i have this him year. in a stash oh do you okay um I probably wouldn't. I don't think he's worth a roster spot, but onward and upward. Um, yeah, Bunkley Shelton's gonna, I think he's going to be the consistent option in that offense. It sounds like Jaden Daniels really likes him as opposed to Elijah Badger, who's probably going to be the more explosive option. But is he totally cleared to play Badger? There was a Acad question that just came up about like recently about him still not being cleared or something. Academically? He just said he wasn't cleared. Hmm. Because um, I know that was like the reason that he was not cleared last year it was he did not meet the academic eligibility requirement so he couldn't play at all um i did not see that report on him um i like badger though i mean badger has been badger has been drawing some rave reviews uh in camp and 
he was tabbed as the breakout player for 2021 for Arizona State uh, by 24-7 Sports, and they comped him to Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's – yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, he has that high level of athleticism, um, you know, and I think he could be that type of a player, assuming he can get cleared, which is apparently back into question again. He's still out and saying unknown for his reason why he's not been practicing. Um, oh, that's so, not that's not encouraging. Nope. So go get LV Shelton. I have a lot of Elijah Badger. <laughs> I'm sorry that you had to find out this way. I, I do have I also have a lot of uh uh LV Bunkley Shelton too because I do like him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um in my write up for him I, I have uh, I, I just I, mentioned I, he's um I don't like Johnny Wilson. The reason I like Johnny Wilson is if he moves to tight end. He's listed as 67230. If he yeah, can he's enormous. add another 10 pounds and move to tight end, then then I'm kind of interested. Uh cuz he's a he's a big time athlete. Uh, 45940 in high school, uh 36.9 inch vert. Um so you know, he's a big time athlete. If if he can move to tight end, then then we're interested. Then then we're talking. But as a wide receiver now, that's too big. Yeah. Yeah, way too big. And he dropped a bunch of passes last year. Um, a couple other interesting names here. Uh, Rome Adunze at, at Washington is probably the the second guy there. But as we talked about a few weeks ago, was it Taj Brooks? Was the other guy there that, that was turning heads in practice? Or who was that other wide receiver there? That was the guy you, you were yelling at me for not mentioning him. I'm pretty sure it was Taj Brooks. Yeah, I think so. Um, they had said he looked really good. Uh, Deontay Thornton at Oregon. Um, I don't think he plays at all this year. I think he's a pure red shirt um, behind Probably. some of the guys there. They have a lot of bodies, um, but I think you know he'll get his turn in due time. Michael Wilson. Tell us about Michael Wilson because I've never heard of him before, Colin, until you told me who he was before the show. Um, yeah, my, so Michael Wilson, he was – he had a – so he was a four-star prospect, not a particularly high one, um, but he right out of the gate, you know, he had a little bit of a role – uh, and then actually in 2019 led the team in receiving yards and, and uh, touchdowns um, last year, semi Fahoko ended up leading the team in receiving, but um, yeah, Michael Wilson was second, you know, 19 catches, 261 yards, one touchdown through four games. Uh, he was got all pack 12 honorable mention honors, surprisingly. And he was picked in the preseason all pack 12 third team. So you know, there's a little bit of potential there and he's probably going to be the leading receiver for them this year. Yeah, he certainly has a, a chance to do that. Um, so, and then our last guy here, I think he's a stash. I'm not going to mention him here. So I put him here uh, because he is um, actually making some noise. J. Michael at, Sturdivant, by the way, before we yes. talk for three minutes and don't say his name. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, he's uh, he's been making a push for for a starting role. Um, though he has been he's been impressing a lot in camp. Um, so it would not surprise me if he ends up starting at one of those receiver roles this year. Um, ADP of three ten though, so you don't have to don't have to go reaching right. for him too much. Um, two tight ends here, and I think they. Yeah, I th this is a probably a good spot for them. Brant Quaith. Um, kind of more of an H back than a tight end. They used him two years ago in a lot of different roles. And then last year that, you know, it was that whole offense never really got rolling. And again, just a COVID year, 
Um, so he could be a nice value there with the ADP of 260. And then Jalen Conyers, uh, tight end at Arizona State, transferred over this offseason. I like him. I've stashed him in quite a few places. I don't know if he's a Purdue. Like, I think he's an NFL guy. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of mouths defeated Arizona State, though, so I'm not sure if he produces much there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but it does look like he's, you know, he's running with the first team offense there. So it looks like he's going to be the the number one wide receiver. So, or I mean, tight end. So, you know, maybe he gets some production here or there. Yeah. Um, stashes. A lot of really interesting stashes here. Um, some fun quarterbacks, Jackson Dart. We both love Jackson Dart. You know, we talked a little bit about him earlier in the show, so we're not going to dig too deep into him. Uh, ADP of 97, um, just a good player overall. And then Colin's favorite, Ty Thompson, who's at Oregon. Um, another guy that I don't think he touches the field at all this year, barring um, just total collapse there. But um, it should be a stash at Colin. You, you have something to say about him? Yeah, I mean, I... Like I said, we were talking a little bit earlier about Anthony Brown. I think Anthony Brown really limits this Oregon offense and, you know, the limits, the ceiling of it. And they're probably going to get shellacked by Ohio State. I don't think they get shellacked in that game. I think, think it's so? close. No, I think it's close. Their defense is so good. It Ohio is. State, I think Ohio State has a lot of talent on offense, but they haven't all worked together yet. True. I think that offense will get better as the year goes on. And it's a week two game. So no, I think that game is close. But the only can can Oregon score enough to keep up with Ohio State's offense? Again, though, I think their defense is really good, and Ohio State's defense is not very good. I think this is like a twenty-seven to twenty-four game, or like twenty-seven to seventeen, or something. I don't think it's a blowout. Hmm. I think we'll you're see. you're we'll overstating see. Ohio State this year and understating the rest of Oregon's roster except for quarterback. Well, right. That's that's what I'm saying is the rest of their off the roster is really good. And I think they know that. And if they if Anthony Brown seems to be limiting them and holding them back, maybe they turn to Ty Thompson. Um, you you severely overstate the amount of teams that are going to switch quarterbacks in the middle of the year. You say that about every team. <laughs> um, I that's yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I, I I it's just that there's there's certain situations where I think they go with a guy, but it's not the most talented guy. And Ty Thompson reportedly looked the best out of uh, out of the quarterbacks in the most recent scrimmage. So he's been he's been coming on strong lately. Yeah, you just you totally overstate that yeah, all the we'll time. We'll see. We'll see. That's all I have to say. We'll see. I'm you know, okay, if, Colin. If, what's the over under on court teams that change quarterback in the middle of the year? That's not due to injury. Because you seem to think it's about 40. I, I think I've said th like, what, three times, maybe? Just tonight? USC, Oregon. Um, I, I was going to predict that for Texas until until Card got named the starter. I, so, so this narrative totally revolves on whether you like the backup more or not. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I told you that if they're more talented, then and the team starts to struggle... Like I think some of the like those three teams could. This, this teams must be with your... high expectations, teams that that may struggle at times. I, I think we could see a flip. This must be your first year watching college football, because I mean, spoiler alert: Adrian Martinez has started for three straight years. That's like, Nebraska. How, how are you going to sit there and call Nebraska like, compare Nebraska and their expectations to Oregon and USC? I'm and Texas? just saying, bad quarterbacks start all the time in college. They do. Just happens. Bo Nix is the starter at, or at, at Auburn. 
but who do they like, turn to? Max Dugan is the starter at TCU. I mean, there are offenses to? that are severely crippled. Whoever the backup is, apparently, according to you. They, but, they don't, on the map? but they don't have a good backup. That's okay. the thing. They don't okay. have a high recruit as a back. So there's there's a checklist here. So so here's, 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 here's the question that really tests this theory for you then, Colin. I know we're totally off the rails at this point. We are I don't care. <laughs> you have said all offseason that you think Tanner Mordecai wins the starting job at SMU. So if Tanner Mordecai wins that starting job, because you like Tanner Mordecai more, if Preston Stone's probably more talented, does Preston Stone ever have a chance to take that job? If Tanner Mordecai struggles, potentially, but but I if it had been the other way, would you be saying that Tanner Mordecai would definitely have that job by week five, like you're doing with all these other teams? No, because teams will turn if they're struggling, they will turn to the younger quarterback. They'll give them a shot. But SMU also doesn't have the same expectations that Oregon and USC and Texas do. Says you. Says everybody. Not their fans, <laughs> I'm sure. I think even their fans, if they're being realistic, would think that they're not on par with uh, Oregon, USC, or te in Texas. All right. Well, this conversation leads us into a perfect third guy here, which is Sam Heward. Does Sam Heward take the job at Washington if Dylan Morris sucks early, Colin? Yeah, I could see that. I don't think it doesn't sound like Dylan Morris sucks. So we'll see. But I th also think Dylan Morris limits that offense because he's way too conservative. Um, Washington's coaching staff in general is a little bit more conservative. So I think that one's a little bit longer of a shot. But I think that's possible. He's a five star quarterback. I've been trying to be so nice to you these past few weeks and you're you to make it so difficult sometimes. I just you're is severe. <laughs> they have all offseason to figure this out. Right. But when you get in season and the games start happening and your record is not looking like what you thought it was going to, you got to make a change somewhere. All right. All right. Does Peter Costelli have a chance to start this year at Utah? Um, Charlie Brewer has looked really good reportedly. Um, but... And Costelli is, Costelli looked really good in the spring, but it sounds like Rising is probably going to be the backup. So Castelli would have to jump like two guys. So probably not. But if the first guy looks bad and the second guy looks bad, maybe maybe we could see Castelli hop in there. Yeah, no, I think Castelli is a total <laughs> redshirt this year. Uh, Miller Moss, where does he transfer next offseason? That's that's why he's, he's yeah. on the list. I mean, report he's reportedly like come on here as it's been as fall camp has been progressing, he's looked better and better still the number three quarterback on that roster, but he missed his senior year uh, in California due to COVID. So, you know, probably always going to be a guy who started a little bit slower, but I mean, Miller Moss was, he was a highly rated recruit. He was the 12th ranked quarterback. And, you know, so I think it depends on where he transfers though. Yeah. I, but I, I, I think he leaves there. I just they, yeah. I don't see a scenario that he stays there because it, it's Dart's job. Um, the Oregon State running backs, Jamar Jefferson, gone. They have to fill that void. Uh, Deshaun Fenwick is listed at the starter. He doesn't get drafted in any of our I, – I don't even know if he's on our list. Like He's been taking no. a single draft across no. this offseason. Uh, and then Demir Collins, the, the true freshman, um, talented kid. Um, but it sounds like it's Fenwick for this year. The transfer from South Carolina, I believe. Yeah, um, it sounds like it's going to be Fenwick and Oregon State's a more run heavy offense. So, 
yeah, I think he's, like you said, he doesn't get drafted. I haven't seen him drafted anywhere um, in any of the drafts I've done or any of the leagues that I'm in. I, maybe I haven't paid attention in round 40, but I haven't seen him go anywhere. Uh, he's a guy who's worth worth checking out on the waiver wire uh, early in the season. But Collins, uh, very talented, little undersized. So I think it's going to be Fenwick, even though Collins may be more talented. Yeah, I mean, Oregon State, um, they're never going to get like this, you know, the, the 5'11", 215, 4'5", guy out of high school. They kind of have to make do with what they can get their hands on. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like that's what they're trying to do uh, with both of those guys. I'm not really sure I like either of them a lot, but I mean, something to be aware of. Uh, the Oregon running backs, two freshmen there, Byron Cald- Cardwell and Seven McGee. Uh, McGee's just a little guy. Um, and then Five, Byron seven. Cardwell, I think I like Cardwell. Um, I think he has some of the better vision in this class. Um, crazy cutback guy kind of reminds me of, um, Brees Hall with his ability to just hit that cutback lane like hard and he's gone. Um, but probably neither really see the field at all this year. Now Cardwell is the guy where I was saying like, if Verdell and Travis die both get hurt, then it could be Cardwell. But Cardwell's a guy I've been stashing in a lot of places. Um, I like Cardwell a lot. He doesn't quite have as high of an, a high end athleticism as maybe you want. Some people want to see in the running back position, but like you touched on, he, his vision is great. Um, I like that a lot. And then Verdell and, and die both likely gone after this year, they should both be gone. So then I think he steps up in 2022. Um, yeah, I think he certainly has a chance to be the next guy there. Um, but I think, you know, uh, something to monitor Utah running backs. This is a really interesting discussion. Um, I think it, at least to start the year, it's going to be a committee is, mm-hmm. is really what it sounds like. You know, obviously Ty Jordan uh, passed away this off season. He was RB 16 last year, but he was just the guy um, they have, a lot of different guys that they can try to replace him with. They have TJ Pledger transferred in from Oklahoma. Chris Curry transferred in from LSU. They had Micah Bernard there. They brought in Ricky Parks, who was a four-star mm-hmm. freshman. But it sounds like the guy that has really been most impressive lately is Tavion Thomas, who the name might sound familiar. In 2019, I believe he was a true freshman at Cincy. Had a nice 500-yard true freshman campaign there and then um, left there, went Juco for a year or two, and now has resurfaced at Utah. If I had to bet on one guy to become the guy further on this year, I think it would be him. Same. Yeah, and Utah is doing that annoying thing where they're listing ores on their two deep um they have it listed as um they have it listed as tj pledger or tavian thomas and then chris curry and then they're in the number two they have chris curry or micah bernard so four guys listed as oars very annoying but tavian thompson another guy i don't think i've seen drafted anywhere so I just took him in a league where it's that one where I have two 45 man rosters and I can't have the same players. So again, you know, there's a lot of players I don't like, you know, at some point the player pool, it's really restricted <laughs> to guys I like in the late rounds. I think I took him in like round 43 or something. Um, sure. Why not? Um, Daniel Nada, 
or Ingata. I always some of them pronounce it one way because there's a lot of Ingatas around. He's cousin of Joe at Clemson. I think so. I believe. I don't think they're brothers. Um, yeah, pass catching back a little smaller there at Arizona State. Um, maybe he can carve out a role, but just so many mouths to feed. Again, AJ Smith, the second year back at Stanford, uh, Emmett's son. Yeah, Emmett Smith's son. Yes. Um, I had someone DM me about him the other day. Like, I think you have to hold him, but he could be a he could be one of those roster cloggers where because Stanford only really uses one guy. Yeah. Uh, and it's gonna be Jones unless he gets hurt. Right. The thing with EJ Smith, it I, I like him as a stash because I think Austin Jones, if he has a really good year this year, maybe could leave potentially. Um, and then you're looking at EJ Smith, but EJ Smith's ADP of 146 is too high to take that gamble. In yes. my opinion. Yeah. Um I I don't I don't think I have him in any leagues because yeah, ADP 146, that's that's high. Um Damian Moore. You want to talk about Damian Moore? Um, yeah, I could talk about Damian Moore. I mean, he's looking like he's gonna be the backup for uh um Chris Brooks. Um, because he he stepped in last year as a true freshman when when Chris Brooks Brown uh, went down and he had 38 carries 188 yards and a touchdown. So nothing crazy, but um, he's probably looking like he'll be the lead guy in 2022. So if you want a running back on Cal's offense, sure. Uh, don't necessarily know how much I want that though. Yeah. Um, totally fair. Uh, Ashad Clayton is a fun one at Colorado. I, I was really high on him last year. Um, He's got nice size. He's one of the the guys that the coaching staff has said they want to involve more in that offense, which is leading me to be not that happy about Jarek Broussard. But again, like I don't think Clayton's startable. You're really hoping that some guys go down with injury or that he takes that job in 2022. Yeah, and I mean, Clayton was a, a good recruit um, in his own right. It was kind of surprising that he chose uh, – it was kind of surprising that he chose Colorado – um, over Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, like he had a list of offers. So for the record, I don't think a lot of those 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 uh, offers were committable by the time he got to the end because he blew out his knee his uh, junior year or early in his senior year of high school. I do not think a lot of those offers were committable by uh, then. So just fair. something to keep in mind there. Well, still the 17th RB in the class and a four-star guy. Yeah, so I mean, you could do a lot worse than him as a stash late in, in rounds. Brandon Campbell, who's a true freshman running back at USC, really have to hope that they purge that coaching staff, or else you just don't feel good about <laughs> a running back there at USC. Uh, Deshaun Morrell at their cross city rivals there, UCLA, um, one of those kind of tape darlings that was that that some think was probably rated too lowly by the recruiting services. Um, super low ADP. My problem with Morrell has been and will continue to be, he definitely, in my opinion, does not have a role this year. No. And he hasn't I, even – he was wearing um, scout team jerseys in practice. And, and I don't know – like if Charbonnet and, and it comes back, I don't know if he has a role in 2022. So can he survive two years' worth of end-of-year roster cuts for me if he's not relevant by then? I don't think so and that's why he's 
I I've been shying away from him, even though he's very, he's very, very free. Just the opportunity is it takes a really long time to see anything out of him. Yeah. It, his value really hinges on, on what Charbonnet does. If Charbonnet leaves, then it looks like he's got a shot to potentially have a significant role in that backfield. Um, Cause Britton Brown's a sixth year guy. He's gone. Um, but if Char Charbonnet does come back, then you have to hang on to Morel for another year. He's probably a cut guy. So some people might want to stash him. I don't have him stashed anywhere. Yeah, you're just uh, the the amount of events that would have to happen and consecutively for him to be relevant is 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 a lot. I'm not talking about Chad Johnson Jr. He will never be relevant at Arizona State. <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson the third though could be very relevant at USC. He's looked really really good. He is basically a Parker Washington clone. I really like him. I really like him. I have a lot of Michael Jackson. You should have a lot of Michael Jackson too. As long as you don't play with me. And or me. I have a lot of Michael Jackson as well. Do it. <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, and then ADP of 310 too. I mean, that's risen, definitely. Um, but that's that's been on the rise. But still, he still goes pretty late. It's cheap enough that I, I'm definitely interested. Yeah. Um Maven Anderson and one of, you know, a guy that I like that was deeper in this class. Again, kind of that hybrid wide running back, just get the ball in his hands, let him work kind of guy. Um, see if he can do anything. Probably not this year, Cal, maybe the year after. Um, I don't know who the Zariah Beeson. I don't know who that is. I feel like you're really um, testing my knowledge here tonight. He's uh he plays the wide receiver for Oregon State. Um <laughs> Okay. He was he uh, he had a role last year for their offense. Um, he uh, 16 catches, 148 yards, and he led the team in touchdowns uh, with three. Um, six foot, 195, solid athleticism. Yeah, more of a probably more of a watch list guy, um, but a guy I'm interested in. Okay. Um, then a, hit a twenty-five percent crystal ball prediction to attend LSU as well. So, oh, interesting. They were interested, huh? Um, Jabaz Tanay, true freshman. It sounds like he's looked so solid at, at their camp. I again, I I don't know if he plays that much, and he certainly probably won't be relevant if he does because they're just probably not a super high volume passing attack there. But uh, a name to be familiar with. A uh, couple of guys over at Washington State who might fill the void for Renard Bell and uh, C.J. Moore, transfer guy, and then dribbling um both have looked solid i know dribbling has been working out a lot with the lara this offseason if i remember correctly so that can't hurt assuming he gets the job and and dribbling has gotten some nice reviews there um you dribbling yeah i'm a i'm a dribbling guy um i don't think you necessarily need to draft him right now i haven't really seen him going in too many places but Five of the wide receivers in the Washington State room there are, or that are projected to actually like have a role, are redshirt juniors or older. Um, and Stribling's a fre an incoming freshman, true freshman. So I think Stribling, if he doesn't have a big role this year, will likely have a big role in 2022. Yeah, I do too. I think it's just um, a matter of time there um, before he he uh, grabs that job. And then a few tight ends here. Um, Maliki Matavowel. I think uh, Kevin Coleman likes him. I think he takes him in a lot of C2Cs. Um, and then Jermaine Terry, true freshman at uh, Cal, a guy that we highlighted on the show a couple times when talking about, um, I think we broke down Cal's entire recruiting class as a recruiting class that we thought was really underrated. 
Um, and then we might have talked about him one other time as well. Um, but just just some some interesting stashes there. I don't know if you would need to roster either of them, but um, just being aware. Uh, um, Jermaine but, Terry with ADP of 259. If you want him, you'll probably have to take him. But uh, Maliki Matevao, Matavao, uh, for Oregon, does not have an ADP. So he's a guy you can keep an eye on. Yeah. And then I did put two Stanford wide receivers at the end here. You had you had Higgins up a little bit earlier, but I wanted to include him with John Humphreys. Okay. They're both just like big, huge wide receivers there that are fairly decent athletes. And I think one of them can make a name for themselves this year. I, like Humphreys was Higgins just a year earlier. So like they're they're very similar players. Uh, probably can't coexist, but uh, Higgins is the hotter name, but don't like just Humphreys is there too, and be aware of it. Um, any players that you're avoiding, Colin, besides Keaton Slovis? That's too easy. You can't say Keaton Slovis. <laughs> um, probably avoiding Brandon Campbell, uh, ADP 292. Probably doesn't have much of a role. Uh, it won't have very much of a role at all this year. Probably not in 2022 either because they're looking to bring in some other guys um, in, the, in that class. And it's just not a high-volume rushing offense. So not super interested in him. Um, I don't actually have a lot of Sam Heward, though, either. Um, ADP 64. It's just a little bit rich for me. I don't usually go a quarterback in that range. Yeah, or if I same. do, it's usually I'm usually trying to get a jump on somebody for dart. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I don't have very much Heward either, but he could really make me regret that in a year. We yeah. shall see. Yeah, same. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think those were, those are two big names that I would have had. I mean, I think the bit, the most obvious one, and we didn't even talk about him tonight, which shows you how much of an avoid we think he is. <laughs> Stop drafting Devin Williams. He's not yes. good. <laughs> he is not. The offense is not a high octane enough for him to do anything. And he's going to be like a seventh round draft pick. And he goes in like the 150s or something like it's, it's a terrible process. Do not do that. You're going to regret it. There are so many better players in that range. Uh, if there's one player that just like, I just literally don't understand at all, like the hype, it's him. It's, I don't know. Don't do it. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously uh, avoid Bruce McCoy too. But we talked about that. Yeah. For different reasons. Um, so that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Uh, one more episode left. But we do have college football this weekend, so everybody get excited. Um, I, know, I, know we, I know we played the clip at the beginning of the episodes here, guys. But if you're looking for something on Saturdays to, to kind of get into these games, we're going to be doing two live shows. One in the morning called The Tailgate, starting at 10 a.m. Uh, it's basically two like hour-long shows that are kind of sandwiched together. I will be hosting the first hour and then the second. And we'll be doing more like... You know, breakdowns of the game, predictions, um, uh, storylines, and and news and stuff. Yeah, and then the the second hour will be all injury news, uh, DFS, start sit, that kind of stuff. So really leading up to the games, there uh, we will help you with all of that. And then once the games are over at night, we're gonna have uh, camp uh, campus to Canton, coast to coast. It's going to be a sports center style show uh, led by Mr. Felix Sharp. Uh, with a bunch of different guests on each week. I believe this week we have John Lobb. We have uh, Tara Patrick, I believe, from Dynasty Vipers. I believe she's at Fantasy Pros now as well. Yes. Um, and then we'll have you know a, a rotating cast. Kevin Coleman will be on. Uh, Matthew Bruning and myself will be on. Um, so just, just a lot of different people uh, that are going to be popping in to tell you. Are you going to be on this week? Yes, I'm on the show sheet. Oh, that's right. Okay. 
Um, I'll be talking UTEP, New Mexico State, baby. There Let's you go. go. Every the game everyone's looking forward to the most. Yes. Um, beyond those shows, the guys again, thank you for tuning into our show. Why wait till Sunday is back with Alfred and Moxley? So be tuning into that. Fantasy Football Roundtable is here. Um, Debbie Debate as well. Uh, all the articles and stuff over at the website. Jarek just released another update to his data tool. It's really, really awesome. Go check that out. Um, but until next time, guys. I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good week, guys.